Joel in the eye of the storm. The new home video featuring five powerful videos from the number one album, Stormfront. Plus, a special version of the Downeaster Alexa live. Billy Joel, Eye of the Storm, the power of Stormfront unleashed on home video. Previously on the Stormfront album wrap-up. No, ballots are closed. You can't do that. Yeah, you didn't sit on the piano or anything. Lame, Paul. Yeah, gain 100 pounds and then sit on the piano at the end of the song. Dave thought the original lyrics were Deuce Bigelow. Now I drive my down Easter Alexa More and more miles from shore every year Since they told me I can't sell no strappers then there's no luck in sword fishing here. I was a bay man like my father was before. Can't make a living as a bay man anymore. There ain't much future for a man who works the sea. There ain't no island left for islanders like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I think I think oh. I just grew a beard during that song, a great beard. <laughs> oh, that was fantastic. Thank you so much. Beautiful way to kick off the rankings. <laughs> yes, it is time. I now as I told you before, I changed my rankings while Paul was playing. I go to extremes. I'm like, you know what? Maybe this is pretty good. Or should I just give you the way I had it before it started? What do you want? Yeah, do, do your updated ones. Okay. Because I, I, yeah, he made me, he already made me second guess. I had written this before I heard the album as a whole. So I made some changes. I was going to assume we all had the same top two, but now with Paul, I'm just not sure. So I'll just start off as we always do from 10. Everybody's favorite song, song, Shameless. It's a piece of crap that it is. <laughs> stupid country music. Sorry. I know you're in Nashville. I hope nobody heard that through the windows. Number nine would have to be When in Rome, because we just did that podcast and we realized it sucked. I, oh. I think I think Alon's with me on that, but I know Paul's going to say differently. <laughs> you know what I say? When in Rome. Do what the Romans do. <laughs> See, I can write Billy Joel lyrics. For anyway, number eight, I have a disappointing and so it goes. I know everybody would be disappointed in that. I just uh, don't care. Number seven, I have that's not her style. I had that a little higher up and I changed it because I don't know. Six, I have Stormfront and it's been there all along. The song Stormfront. But I could I could go higher on that. But then Paul made me rethink, and I went to number five. I go to extremes, which was much lower. It was number nine before Paul started playing. Oh, wow! And now it's at number five. 
Yeah. The other thing I, I, I was doing my regular podcast, just got the city uh, last week. And I played that as the end. I'm like, Hey, we're doing the Stormfront wrap up. And I chose that song. And I guess it's from listening to the album. And then Paul playing it. And I'm like, you know what? I think I got him. I think, you know what destroyed me for that one? Why was it nine at first? The video, Alon. That video can suck it. Stinks. Yeah, it's really bad. And I think that kind of was a problem. So number four, kind of Paul and you made me rethink, is going to be Leningrad. I don't mm. hate that song as much as I used to. What, what did I? What, what was that guy playing in Hoboken that day? Was that? No, that was, that was Lullaby, Lullaby. And I thought it was Leningrad, right? Yeah. yeah. And then I got a deep that day. I got a deeper appreciation for Leningrad, <laughs> even though I had the wrong song in my head. <laughs> it just can't be named Lullaby and you'll like a song. <laughs> I think that's all it comes down to, because it was weird because I was like, yeah, I wish it was Leningrad and not Lullaby because I was having a good time enjoying that it was Leningrad. So well, yeah. is like the St. Petersburg uh, if, if New York City is Moscow. Yeah. Yes, I Hoboken. suppose it is. And the uh, top three stayed the same. The number three was State of Grace. I I like that song a lot. And then, of course, Downeaster Alexa has to be, too, because We Didn't Start the Fire was a no-brainer for me as number one, as I look forward to it. Every goddamn concert in the encore. And like I said, all the way back in 1988, I guess 89, when I was working in that stupid World Trade Center, which doesn't exist anymore, by the way, I don't know if you heard what happened a couple of years ago. They, anyway, um, I, when I was trying to memorize the lyrics of that song because I just couldn't get enough of it, that song has never left me. I, I, and I'm embarrassed because I know it's stupid and weird and it shouldn't. The fact that it's just stayed popular when you think of Tell Her About It, which is the number one song which he never plays and apparently no one cares. And this song, this this song, everyone can't wait that a list song instead of tell her about it. You you can't when you hear that first, and then the bongo people are like, ah! I mean, it's an encore, crazy, uplifting, we're standing song, and you hear the lyrics. And I know we've said this on the on the episode itself, and every time, but I, goddamn, makes the album number one. Not surprised. No, yeah. I know, but just I don't know what it is about the song. I think I think we could do a, an entire podcast on we didn't start the fire and trying to get to the bottom, not just go through the listing, but try and get to the bottom, interview everyone we've ever met or other people, and to be like, why do we like this song? Why does it get to our brain and say, yeah, rock and roll? <laughs> I think it'd be worth doing a little mini series on. We didn't start the fire like the way Radio Lab does those like you know eight or nine episode or like the Witch Trials of J.K. Rowling. Have you heard that that podcast? Like you, they have like seven or eight episodes. You should just do one on We Didn't Start the Fire. Don't give Dave ideas. We've already stretched this podcast <laughs> enough. We're going through twenty twenty seven. I would like to do that because I I just I would like to interview people and see why they like it or why they don't like it and just why it's had forty years of staying power. I mean that's just it's forty years almost. Wow. It's right? as it's old only... as Billy was when he wrote it. Six more, years. Six more years. years. It'll be 40 34. years. All right. Sorry. Oh, sorry. We'll sorry come back on this. the 40th anniversary and do, Jesus do that. Christ. Podcast. Come on. That's an, the fact that it's even gone over 20 years that it's popular and he's playing the encore is still a miracle. Well, who I would want to interview is like, who were the brave A&R people at the label who said, you know what? This, this is going to be the first single because no one had heard it at that point. The album wasn't out yet. How did they know like this weird song will work? 
they didn't do focus felt, groups. They just were the people in the office were probably just like this. Is they good. must have felt the same way we did. It just got this crazy brave. like that just works. It's impossible to know. And like he's that guy said, it could have been written on a xylophone. <laughs> I don't know. It just works. Alon, you give us your list. Okay, mine's a little different than yours, but not as different as I thought it would be. Oh. Uh, so this this number 10 song, actually, I, I changed this at the last minute right before we started here, and I put When in Rome at number 10. I, I never that. thought that Shameless wouldn't be the bottom song, but I was listening to it, and it does have some things that are redeemable about it. <laughs> and When in Rome, I just don't like a lot. So When in Rome is my worst song on the album. <laughs> then number nine is Shameless. Not the country version, the Jimi Hendrix original version. <laughs> Number eight is Stormfront, uh, which probably would have been a little bit higher, but Mood Indigo is just yep. a little, I can't get over that. Buford scale. Yeah. Number seven, I put That's Not Her Style, same place that you put it. And I found myself enjoying it more during these re-listens. I would have thought maybe it would be even lower on the list, but I did kind of like it. Number six, Leningrad. Number five is where I put We Didn't Start the Fire. Oh. Uh, and it's just, it's, you know, I like it a lot. It's just that it's a gimmick. I think the songs that I have above it are just more well, like, well-formed songs that I'd rather listen to on a day-to-day basis. Number four is I Go to Extremes. Number three, And So It Goes. I'm surprised you had that as low as you did. But that's okay. I only did it to piss Paul off. I know. <laughs> number two, I put the Down Easter Alexa, of course, which is great. And number one, State of Grace. Wow, which wow. has been stuck in my head for a long time, and I just can't get over like that great Mick Jones solo in the middle of the song. Like the song itself is already good, and then that solo is just amazing. It's concise. It just hammers you. You feel like you're listening to a Foreigner song for a second. So that's why I like it. I just I think it just flows really nicely. It's a good it's kind of a long song, but you don't feel like it's long when you're listening to it. I like I like it. You know, where you put we didn't start the fire is where it's supposed to be, but I'm insane. So you did the right thing. Well, here we come. Now, this should be interesting. Paul has said, and I can get the quotations, he has said, this is a masterful album. Now, his things have got to be different. I'm not too far off from Milan at the bottom of my list. And I, I do think there's value in all these songs, even the ones at the very bottom. They're pretty cool jams. Jewels. You don't have to say that. Billy's not listening. Okay. <laughs> you don't know. Uh, <laughs> Number 10 is that's not her style for me. And only because of the weird lyric that it doesn't age well for, for me, it's just some strange stuff. The matter you don't like having margaritas on the white house lawn, (laughs) (laughs) the Argentines and Kuwaitis. And it's just, just crazy, crazy lyrics in there. I also think that every record of his from an innocent man onward, there's a defense or an ode to Christy Brinkley. I'm not mad at it. 
this one feels the most just strange, right? Like modern woman, even though he said that's not about Christy Brinkley, it's about Christy Brinkley. Christy Lee, of course, or careless talk, which is kind of a defense. Careless talk is like thematically the predecessor to this. Modern woman is also a predecessor to this. Blonde over blue. Oh, right. I don't know. It falls in that kind of, you can make a playlist of Christy Brinkley songs, odes to her. Oh my God, another podcast. Right. And all of them are basically him being like, I swear we're good. It's cool. Everything's fine. (laughs) Right. right. (laughs) So that's 10. Uh, Sorry, I I know I'm long winded here, but uh, number nine for me is Shameless. Thank God. Uh, You know, but I also have to say, I really love the song. I, I was playing around with it the other day. It's got this gorgeous thing. It has this kind of like, just as a ballad. I'm shameless When it comes to loving you I do anything you want me to I do anything at all And I'm standing here for all the world to see There ain't that much left of me That is very far to fall It's just vulnerable and kind of a gorgeous Fuck you, Paul, song. you know, because you know why I'm upset by this, Alon, right? Yeah, Dave wants to do a revote now. Now I like it. Yeah. <laughs> You're such an asshole. That... How could you put that 10, Dave? You're the worst Billy Joel yeah. fan of all time. That You're amazing, so beautiful right. song that we just heard. Man, the way well, you're put playing it, it nine, that way, it's beautiful. It's a it's a gorgeous song. That's what I'm saying. It's just you take these songs out of their production. We got to make that. We got to convince Billy to make that record. We will on ago. our last show when we talk to him. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't naked. think he's not listening to the show. Why do you think he canceled the MSG gigs? We were too tough on him. He hates that. He's listening. Mm. Number eight for me. So that's nine. Uh, number eight for me is When in Rome, and I I like. Like this falls in with his kind of easy money. Like this could be on an innocent man in a way. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. It is it is like a Stax Otis Redding song in some ways, you know? And it's like it's got that cool kind of Don't you dare, don't you even Right? It's got the Memphis thing. When I see you in the morning, putting on your pretty clothes. You can imagine Otis saying. You do your makeup like they do in all those fashion shows. Then you turn to me so that I can see if you put yourself together right. Then you go away, and you're gone all day, but I know you're coming home tonight. In your home, darling. I love it. It's so good. The writing is so good. Until the one in Rome. I think if he just cut, if he just changed the lyrics to the, like the chorus of the song, that was great until he got to the when in Rome do as the Romans do. Which I, I think- I, you know what? I was good with it even then because the way he played it. I was like, <laughs> I was looking at a great. lot's face and I'm like, oh God, now I got to change my top, my 10th because, <laughs> oh, that sounds so amazing. You're, 
It's fu- well, this is great. Just good I'm, songs. No, it's, it's good to... that you're here with us. We needed a musician to round out the damn thing that we don't get. <laughs> we we can't see it's a pretty song because we can only see what's being played in front of us. And you break it down the way we want Billy Joel to do that one day. What was the example you did? The short people guy, Randy Newman. Yeah. Yeah, the Randy Billy Joel would just do that with the catalog. Oh boy! I mean, this is really awesome. exciting when you're doing it like this. Well, thanks. Yeah, if if he only could. So that's number eight for me. Uh, number seven is Stormfront. Though these two could be side A and side B of a single, right? Like they they kind of both have that Memphis thing happening. Is it the Memphis horns on on these or no? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Ooh. I wonder if it is the Memphis horns. It, it has that feet. It has that kind of feel. It has that sound. The uh, Memphis horns are on Stormfront only. On Stormfront only. Okay, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it has that stacks thing. It's really Stormfronts is just a cool song. Save the words, right? I mean, wasn't stacks the name of the guy in Goodfellas who got shot? Wait, wasn't that? Sorry. Yes, oh. Samuel L. Jackson, right? <laughs> right, right. Samuel L. Jackson, yeah. cool man i like that and it does fall into that kind of like late 80s funk like it could be like with sledgehammer and um yeah we'll be together sting you know like white dudes Mm -hmm. doing like an 80s electrified funk sound um so okay that's uh that's a hot take (laughs) (laughs) that's number seven six is we didn't start the fire the perennial um son of a bitch it's right in the middle for me. I don't hate it. It's not my favorite. It's just a cool, there's no other record in the history of records that sounds like this. It is the most unique sounding song and Mm -hmm. it deserves all the props. I mean, as weird as the, as the, some of the lyrics are, or as inaccurate, maybe I shouldn't say weird, but as inaccurate as some of the lyrics are, it's just holds up 34 years later. It's cool shit. Okay. That's also That's a number six. testament to his writing, his the way he would write lyrics too. I mean, yes, when in Rome, withstanding, notwithstanding, but the the the, the way he does match the words, you know, Marilyn Monroe, and you know whatever the the, the 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 rhyming pattern, it flows so well. And so I don't know if you've heard the the new Fallout Boy one. Have you heard that they didn't? They did a "We Didn't Start the Fire" update. Have you heard this? Fallout Boy, like the emo pop band. Uh huh. Yeah. They, no, they came out it. with a new "We Didn't Start the Fire" like the week after we finished "We Didn't Start the Fire" a lot, right? Yeah. And they, it's new with new lyrics, and that's cool. where Billy is a master. When you hear their version, it doesn't stand up to his lyrical, rhyming genius, and mm-hmm. and the, even though it's weird and it's you know, Harry Truman, Doris, and all that guy, he's throwing stuff in. He found the perfect way to rhyme so anyone could sing it and have a good time. It's like yeah. row, row, row your boat, this guy. It's it's amazing. It's that it's that yep. easy. And yet it must have been so difficult to put together, as we found out through Fallout Boy, who can't seem to do it as well. But I have to listen to that. Are you gonna play it on this episode? Oh, you want to play it now? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> what do you think, Paul? Wow. Well, there's a lot of wait. Did Pokemon and the the L.A. riots were the same year. That no, it's out of order completely. It's totally out of order, right? Yeah. Maybe, yeah. I guess no, not cool, not cool at all. And you're it right; the rhymes are way off on that one. Yeah, too. I guess they didn't off. care, and that's the thing; they didn't care. And Billy Joel completely cared. Those, if you look at those rhymes that Billy Joel did, like when yeah. a lot when we were trying to do our parody with all the songs, you know, we did the best we could, but. Billy Joel got it. I mean, even that trouble in the Suez, which doesn't rhyme with anything, still worked. <laughs> totally. It's a, it's amazing. Yeah. And then, you know then, I, then, then you see the difference with this. Well, totally. And, and also the way Billy's singing on the song, like in the later half of his career, he's kind of, he's become a throaty singer. He, he pushes, right? Like he pushes on to get the, to the high notes and all that. And it's rare that he's tender in his voice and his vocal approach. And in, in, certainly in the latter half, there are moments, you know, lullaby and et cetera. But he, his singing is just so beautifully chill and monotonous in this song. And that's what makes it cool. That's what makes the lyrics cool. Because he's just like, Harry Truman, Doris Day, Red China, Johnny Ray, South Pacific, Walter Winchell, Joe Maggio. You're just getting like a chill Billy. You're not getting aggro you know, Billy on the song. And that's what makes the record sound cool. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I guess when he does decide to go aggro on certain lines, that's what makes it fun when you're singing along. Cause you know that like JFK blown away is going to come up and whatever other big, totally. you know, trouble in the Suez. He saves the aggro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For the moments where it needs it, which is where Mick Jones comes in as a producer and yeah. says, no, save it, save it. Don't hit those notes yet. Don't hit mm. that part yet. That's what a producer does. Yeah, he's like, first be that... cold as ice. Cold as <laughs> yeah, ice. <baby>. Yeah. <laughs> Altman, yeah. <laughs> Do you know in that Shades of Grey, the River of Dreams documentary where he's sitting at the piano and he's like, we know it. That's our song. favorite uh, Phil Ramone uh, clip. Yeah. Phil Ramone's great in that, in his talking bits. But Billy, I like. I would love to hear the whole Jolene song that he did. Um, right, he's like, like where does that song go that's a gorgeous melody like why didn't you finish that wait yeah. so he he did a song it's not the dolly parton one it's well i guess it's it's it was tentatively titled jolene but it's where weeds with the fire came from right um, oh do you do you remember that bit of that documentary sure yeah uh, so he's, I think if I'm remembering it, cause it's so part of my childhood, but he sings, Jolene, won't you take me as I Then he says that became, we didn't start the fire. But like that song, wow! Where's that song now? Like that song is gorgeous. That should be on my lives. Totally oh, right. Oh my god, my totally lives. should be on my lives. Paul, that was amazing. I never, I couldn't, I couldn't tell that when you were playing until you went there. You know, that was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Thanks. How well, cool! Yeah, 
Well, Billy is fantastic. Okay, so here we go. So that's um, that's number six. Did I say six for me? Yeah, I think it was six. Number five is State of Grace. That's another. There you go, slipping away into a state of grace. It's very hollow notes, the melody. I I know the look that comes across your face. It's so all that kind of hollow notes oh stuff. man yeah. he said he wrote it with daryl hall in mind so that makes sense yeah and that, oh is that, that true thing. is that what we said when we did yeah, the thing yeah oh interesting that makes sense boy that's great when you play it like that then you totally see with you here then we get it why it's hollow yeah, yeah. notes if a lot and of it's, like, it's very it like people say it isn't so kisses on my list uh here we Yeah, what along? What's the song that I like? Is it money, money or love? No, it's a T song. Yeah, yeah, it's a T song. It's uh, the one that sounds just like a Holland Oates song. The night is still young. No, no, no. It's that one. uh, (laughs) Is it on the bridge? Tell them, tell them you're in love. Yeah. Oh yeah, tell exactly. My favorite. (laughs) I want to make love to you. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's the other one. That's the night is still young. Tell them you're in love is that unreleased Hall and Oates unreleased kind song, of one yeah. that like we that I I'm the only one that ever liked. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm very say, say it isn't so or kiss on my list and, and that kind of vein. Uh, State of Grace is a just an awesome song. That's a sleeper, isn't it? That's like a real hidden yeah. gem. I think that's true. Definitely. Um, okay, so that's five. So four is I go to extremes. Not much else can be said about that song. Lindsay Lohan's tattoo says it all. <laughs> <laughs> Three is the Down Easter Alexa for me, as I said previously. I think it's I think it's like top notch, top Billy writing, top shelf stuff. Two is and so it goes. Oh, heartbreak, heartbreak. I was in, I think I was in eighth grade, going into ninth grade, and I was I spent a summer, young romance, and she she. Oh no, I was ninth grade going into tenth grade. I was a freshman. And she was a senior who had just graduated and she was going away to college, funny enough, to Allentown, Pennsylvania. Oh. That's where she went to college. And we spent a summer young romance and she it was like kind of scandalous because she was three years older than me. But I remember us at like some house party of our mutual friends. And and so it goes, comes on, you know, whatever speaker was back in the late 90s whatever we were listening to. And we like slow danced. And I remember getting, so we both got so emotional because we knew that it was the last time we would be together. We never saw each other after that summer. And she went away to college and I went back to high school, heartbroken. And so- So if you're listening, Britney Spears, give Paul a call. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's a great story. Well, no wonder you like it so much. That makes a lot of sense. Well, that song is like just a. I mean, if you're sitting there, you you already love Billy Joel, and then it comes on during this scene. I mean, wow, that's something else. Yeah. Number one is Leningrad. Funny enough, for me, it is Leningrad. That song, 
saw that coming. <laughs> he takes this experience, this singular experience, oh, timely back then, I think even more timely right now in some ways. We vilify these people. The point is to try to find empathy. And I don't mean just vilifying Russians. Obviously, we, we everything that's going on, the Russian people are not Putin and 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 vice versa, right? But but to find common ground and and a deep bond with someone who has a totally different experience than you, and then to pit that in the writing against his life and the way he grew up, uh, and then to set it against this. Rachmaninoff, like what do we call it, Rachmaninoff. I would call it more Tchaikovsky, like this romantic theme, this gorgeous piano theme. Oh my God! Stately, right? That's number one for me. It's just an amazing and emotional song, and every time I hear it, I think it's just—it's in my top ten Billy Joel songs for sure. I wasn't sure what you were going to have as one, whether it was in So It Goes or a Leningrad, and I'm, I'm, in, I'm intrigued that Leningrad beat out and So It Goes. Hmm. Well, thanks for letting me explain my point of view, guys. I, oh, <laughs> I always yeah, appreciate the time you give me to defend these songs. Well, that's the most important thing we're having here. You give us a completely different perspective. Remember, we've covered all of these songs already and already given our views, whatever they may be. And when you come in, we get a completely different perspective from a musician's point of view, which is what we're missing in our podcast. And that's why it's so wonderful that you're able to come here and, you know, let all of us know what the way you're thinking and the way possibly other musicians think as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I just want to say one more thing about Leningrad is that you have, you know, like I said, a tale of two uh, youths in a way, right? Uh, you have the story of Victor and the story of Billy himself. And Billy's story is in the minor key, right? And, and, and that's very interesting juxtaposition, right? So Victor's is kind of melancholic, but it is in the major key. Victor was born, right? And then Billy's goes to, I was born, and kind of goes to black and white there. Wow, do you know that a lot? I think we talked about that in the episode, but we don't know what that means until Paul yeah. describes it. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's something else. It's an, it's an interesting musical thing uh, to it say. It went that to the saddest of all keys. Yeah, I mean, like, Billy's, you know, they're hiding in their desks, under their desks, you know, right? And, like, he really creates this this tension and this uh, feeling of terror of, of American youth in, in the Cold War, growing up in the Cold War and what it was like and using the minor key to do that. And yet Victor's, Victor's is this kind of gorgeous, uh, stately, I would call it, major key lilting melody shall i play it or should we just move on why don't you just play it because it sounds okay. amazing yeah. i think it's worth it right alon absolutely father anymore 
child of sacrifice, a child of war, another son who never had a father after Leningrad, went off to school and learned to serve the state, followed the rules and drank his vodka straight. The only way to live was drown the hate. Russian life was very sad, and such was life in Leningrad. I was born in '49, a Cold War kid in McCarthy time. Stop 'em at the 38th parallel. Blast those yellow reds to hell. Cold War kids were hard to kill. Under their desk in an air raid drill. Haven't they heard we've won the war? What do they keep on fighting for? Victor was sent to some red army town. Served out his time. Became a circus clown, the greatest happiness he'd ever found was making Russian children glad, and children lived in Leningrad. The children lived in Levittown and hid in the shelters underground. Till the Soviets turned their ships around, tore the Cuban missiles down, and in that bright October sun, we knew our childhood days were done. And I watched my friends go off to war. What do they keep on fighting for? And so, my child. I came to this place to meet him, eye to eye and face to face. He made my daughter laugh. Then we embraced. We never knew what friends we had until we came to Leningrad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to say. I was, <laughs> I was totally moved. I could do the outro, but I'll I'll save it. I'll save it for Elon's parody. Okay. Ooh. Didn't we? Didn't you ask Victor to be on the show, Elon? Yeah, and he was like, "You could find my interviews." He, he kind of blew <laughs> us off, but he does. He um he follows us on Instagram. He may be listening to this episode. Cool. Yeah, I doubt that very much, but. Good for him. Yes, uh, let's. Amazing. Yes, we will uh, get to the parodies in a second. Just before we uh, do that, let's just talk about the album cover for a second, just because it's such a st strange Billy Joel album cover. It's just uh, what is it? Just a, a a flag. What is it? The warning flag, the maritime storm warning flag, that indicates the wind forces of between ten and twelve, the highest intensity on that. What's the scale, Alon? 
the Beaufort scale. Beaufort scale. <laughs> he apparently Billy was describing the cover. He says the worst weather conditions possible. When you see that flag, you don't go anywhere. Either you pull your boat out of the water, you head out to sea, and drive into the face of the storm. And apparently, that is what was looming in his own life around the making of the album. And this is when the audit revealed his manager, Frank Weber, was allegedly cooking the books to cover up shady business dealings. And then Joel sued him for $90 million in damages. And obviously, he was also his former brother-in-law. And hence, Fun the, the album and the cover of Stormfront. Now, the problem, though, of course, was that the flag on the cover is a 10 to 12 on the Beaufort scale. But in the song Stormfront, he says that the winds are blowing a force nine. So they really should have had the nine flag on the cover. He didn't know there was going to be the Internet where you would be able to figure that out sooner or later. Meanwhile, it ruins the, guy, the whole thing ruins. Get, the album. get this. The guy that took the album cover, whatever the cover is, it might have been on Billy's boat or something. His name is Frank Oakenfels, and he did a bunch of album covers. But like David Bowie and stuff like that. But he did this guy. You're not going to believe it. He did this. I guess he was a jazz guy or something. His name's Frank Morgan. You ever heard of him, Paul? I have. Yeah, you have. Well, guess what his album cover. You're not going to believe this. Guess what his album was called that this guy did the album cover core for for uh, mood indigo. Yes. Uh. <laughs> How fucked up is that? What the hell? <laughs> so you really do know that guy. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I also know, I know, I know of him. I don't know his records, but Mood Indigo is a very famous Duke Ellington song. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Right. I think so. Yeah. I, I mean, what I a coincidence. Me <laughs> he took, he took two album cover shots, this one and a guy's cover is a Mood Indigo album. I mean, it's really weird. And Stormfront, which has the words Mood Indigo. How do you like that? On the liner notes, it says, Thank you, section. First and foremost, to my loving wife, Christy. So even though we thought perhaps this kind of meant there was trouble with Christy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then he, he thanks Brian Adams, my favorite, Alexa Ray, Will Lee, the drummer from The Letterman Show, Jeff Lynn, and the Hicksville High Chorus. <laughs> what? Wait, what? That is who he thanked on the liner notes of this album. What a random, what a random assortment of people. That odd? <laughs> well, yeah, the Hicksville totally. High Chorus is the backing vocals on Leningrad. So that one. Uh, right. But the other ones, what did Jeff Lynn and Brian Adams have to do with it? Will Brian Lee Adams. Yep. Summer 69. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like when the lights go out and seen the lights go out in Broadway. Yes, it does. I guess Maybe that's why he thanked him. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for giving me the idea for Summer 69. <laughs> All right. My least favorite part of the show, ladies and gentlemen, let's bring it a lot open. And Paul Lauren to take care of the parodies of this album. I don't remember any of them, and I'm sure none of them were good, but... That all goes to the wayside as Paul Lauren changes them and makes me like them even better. Paul, which ones of Alon's dopey parodies? <laughs> which, I'm sorry, I'm looking at Alon while I'm saying it. He looks like he's about to cry. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Aww, it's <laughs> fine. It's okay. To cry. 
Uh, why is it so dark in your background? <laughs> it's making me, it's creeping me we out. We started recording this when there was light out. Now it's dark out and I oh. can stand up to like, you know, turn some lights on. So, yeah. um, all right, Paul. Which My mood ones is indigo you... right now. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, which ones have you chosen to do today to make Alon look like a writing genius? Well, I, I haven't chosen anything, but I thought maybe I just would pick the ones that I haven't played yet. So, Alon, maybe I would start with uh, the album opener. That's Gomer Pyle. Golly. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you don't have to sing it. Dave's already laughing. I, per- I don't even remember. <laughs> Two, three, four. Some people think that is really the guy for me, Barry. They say he. Was a mechanic to the John the Marines by choice. He always makes life harder for his CEO, Sergeant Carter. Then he'll serenade you with his baritone singing voice. That's Goma Pie, I can tell you. His name's Jim Norman. Oh, wait, let's do that. <laughs> That's Goma I'm telling you, his name is Jim Neighbors. Yeah. That's Goma Pie. Yo, you moron. That's a fictional man. Yes, he is. Wow. Okay. That's really. Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awful. Even when you play it, no offense. (laughs) (laughs) But the title (laughs) totally got me (laughs) because I don't expect Alon to even know who Gomer Pyle is or you. That's why it's extra funny. Thank you. It's only for you, Dave. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, what else? Well, Alon, what are some of the good ones? You've already done I Go to Extremes, but I think I Go to Arby's is a a really good song (laughs) that we can maybe get some uh, free sandwiches out of. (laughs) Let's do that. Joker, call me a fool. I'm headed to Arby's right after school. Clear as a crystal, sharp as a knife. This pain in my chest might be ending my life. Sometimes it feels like I'm racing too fast. This roast beef I'm eating just may be my last. <laughs> Maybe, but I'm gonna take one more bite. Darling, I don't know why I go to Arby's On their commercial, they say they've got the meats Their roast beef is like crack They'll give me my third heart attack Darling, I don't know why I go to Arby's Damn it. That was good. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> and their roast beef really um, is good. I don't know why. You guys don't remember when they had Roy Rogers. That was that was amazing too. That roast beef was fantastic. Oh, oh I yeah. used to love Roy Rogers. You remember it? 
Of course. Greasy, sure. greasy fries, right? Oh, amazing. I don't remember. They well, they were the first ones, I think, with a fixins bar. Mmm, right. They had a fixins bar. Yeah. I used to love her. I remember that logo, the sunset, right? Kind of that western sun. That was their yeah. logo, right? Can we go from Arby's to Applebee's? <laughs> sure. <laughs> what song is that? State of Grace, of course. Oh. It what? <laughs> of course. How does that work? Well, you just have to. My nephew just got a job there, so this will be good. I'll play it for him. There you go, telling me we can't go to Applebee's. Why do you have to be so hard to please? It's my favorite place. Oh, yeah. Sing it like Daryl Hall. Outback steak. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Here I am trying to get you to eat that outback steak. A blooming onion and a lava cake. Uh, but you say you break up with me. chain but i try again so darling how about we go to wendy's or chick-fil-a we'll get to go and then just drive away none of your friends have to know Chicken with melted cheese is sitting there waiting for you. Oh yeah, yeah. That is crazy. That is that crazy. It's still bad. <laughs> that, is, that one still doesn't. No matter what you do to it, it doesn't work. It can't all be gems. He's doing a hundred. It can't parody, all be gems, right? folks. <laughs> um, why don't we do pay less? Yes. Get some free shoes too to go with didn't our Arby's. Do that once wasn't didn't we already do a pay less? <laughs> no, this was the pay less I'm for shameless. Oh, oh God. All right, but now we like shameless, so it's difficult. I'll do it as a tender ballad. I'm a payless When it comes to buying shoes They got so many pairs to choose At a reasonable price And I'm standing Here for all the mall to see <laughs> These shoes I buy won't get one free So I'm getting lucky twice you know that my two feet will never feel A pair of shoes made of a leather that's real These shoes break easy, it's no surprise They don't even need to come in the right size I'm at Payless Cause baby I'm a cheapskate I wear six dollar shoes on a date 
and never hear from you again. I'm at Payless. Oh, that's the end of it, I think. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, this <laughs> it was more like the, the big, at, powerful outro part. This of album the song. just doesn't have the clarity. I'm at Payless. <laughs> I don't remember Alon's ending being that productive. Oh, I hit those high notes. You just yeah, don't remember. Wow. I got I got them. That's very impressive. I think we've had just about enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they can't all be street life serenade. Am I right, folks? The great American wow. shootout. <laughs> okay. Maybe I should have done the uh, no, nothing. Mm. You know, folks, it takes a lot to write these kind of parody. It takes a lot of guts to do what Alon does on a daily basis. <laughs> Just to wake up in the morning and look at this face in the mirror. <laughs> well, I guess that about does it for Stormfront, the album no one really cares about except for Paul Lauren and his friends for Stormfront. Most folks. Okay. Except for Mick Jones, maybe. I wonder now. Well, he just said in 2022 about this. Hey, we made a pretty rocking album, so I guess he still likes it. That's the question. I mean, Billy Joel has clearly said Billy Joel revealed recently it was a long process to get the Stormfront material up to snuff. I started writing the album at the beginning of 88 after I'd been on the road for a year and a half and I wasn't happy with what I was coming up with. I had seeds for the ideas. They weren't there yet. It was too soon for me to start writing and that was a tough time. I just put it away. I said, let's put the pencils and the pens and the crayon boxes away, and I'll take them out later in the year, which was a good idea because sometimes you have to let the field life follow. I don't know what that mm. means, but clearly, since the bridge, the guy was running out of ideas, as we know. So by the next album, he just actually gave up. I don't know how that works with geniuses and how they just run out one day. But it is kind of weird. I don't think he was running out of ideas. I think he was running out of motivation. Maybe that's what it came down to. You're probably right. But I guess, yeah, by 86, he was he was burned out. But he kept it going for us for another three albums. I, I'm going to go out saying, I think this is a cool record. It's grown on me over the years. While the, while the in, in summation, <laughs> the production sounds quite dated. Uh, the songs hold up and, you know, again, pick up a guitar, sit at the piano, play these songs. They are incredible. Uh, for the most part, they are just kind of gems. So I just want to, you know, go on the record to say that this record is still cool. Billy Joel is cool by my definition, not by popular culture's definition. I will defend him to the grave. Well, Paul, you proved your point today as well in the way you played it, that now we all know that these songs are much cooler than we probably give them credit for. So well done. Thanks. And on that note, what song are you going to play us out of today? I guess on that note, I'll go back to 15-year-old version of myself. And as I'm dancing in, in that dark room with Marie. The but that's not woman. her style. 
(laughs) 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 We didn't start the fire. (laughs) That would be me. And Wait, so, Paul, before you play out, uh, yeah, I looked yeah. up why Billy thanked Brian Adams, and it's yeah. because he recorded We Didn't Start the Fire at Brian's studio. Oh. Oh. See, now that oh, makes cool. sense. That guy was a hitmaster, too. Oh, you know what? He uh, was that in British Columbia in Canada? The Warehouse Studio in Vancouver. Vancouver, yeah. Yeah. Billy loves it. In, I heard him in an interview saying he loves Vancouver, like he would have moved there. He loved, he is like, it's coastal. I've heard it's, it's an awesome place to live. It is a gorgeous city. On that note, thanks for having me, guys. Of course. Here's in So It Goes.
Thank you so much, Paul, for that. Thank you, as always, for playing all these great songs. Thanks to our listeners for listening to the Stormfront wrap-up. We'll be seeing Paul again next month for the Nylon Curtain wrap-up. So look forward to that, and we'll be around next week with a regular song. Until next time, thanks for listening. This is Billy Joel, A to Z. Billy Joel, Stormfront. His first studio album in three years. Stormfront, his best album ever.